You may be seated in the presence of God. I am always honored to be here. Always a privilege to be here. And I enjoy being home. And um, I'm grateful. It is, it's funny because it doesn't seem like that many years when you count them. How many years I've been coming here. Um, but I say this. They knew me when I had all black hair. And now, praise the Jesus. <laughs> I'm grateful um, because there I've traveled all over this country, literally, um, been preaching since I've been 18 years old, and I'm, I'm yeah, that part. <laughs> and there are places that I hope never invite me back, literally. And Bishop can attest to this. There are some places that you just don't feel at home. There's some places that you go and they act like they didn't know they invited you. For real, for real. <laughs> and, um, and I mean, it, it will be some places that you think would know better. And, um, but I'm grateful this morning that I always love to come here because it feels like home. I thank God. And that's because of the spirits of your leaders, come on, that are so gracious that's so gracious, so gracious to um, to us in such an unusual way. Um, the spirit of brotherhood, the spirit of kinship that has been exemplified over the years and I am grateful for who they are in the kingdom. Aren't you grateful? And I too thank God for um, the ones who gave us I think it was Kentavious. That, that gets look at look at me, and uh, I agree with he and his wife that um, sometimes it's not what the preacher preaches. It's just simply what I see and how they live their lives. Uh, and I'm grateful that what you see in here is what they are. Uh, for some preachers and pastors, it's a put on. It's the height of hypocrisy for, for them to preach one thing so fervently to you and live so loosely out when they're, in, when they're not behind the pulpit. And um, this pulpit is not magic. You are who you are wherever you're standing. And um, I'm grateful. I can, I can truly say it. I say this as a friend, not as a cohort in preaching, not as a bishop and what other whatever other titles people I say this as a friend and a brother that they live the life that they sing, they preach about they live the life that they teach you you don't know how much of a blessing that is that's a blessing that they live the the life that they uh, they teach and preach and, and even sing about I told my wife every time I come here there's a soul R&B singer that's locked up in Bishop if y'all would loose the man and let him go I promise you he'd make that album I tell you he would listen. He would be wonderful to have at a skating party. Y'all, let me tell you. I'm telling you. Y'all laughing right now. And, and the phone, folks that are looking like they're so deep would be the first one with the bus stop and all that other kind of stuff and doing all that kind of stuff. But I'm grateful to have them in my life. I'm grateful to have this woman of God that I've been knowing and been in her life for the last 33 years. And, um, when she was a freshman in college, I was a sophomore. And I can see it every time I every time I think about it, I can see her walking down those 
that third step of the Foster Tanner Music Building right before choir rehearsal, I was on the stage directing the choir. She walked in, and I knew that was her. I knew that, that she hit that third. It was the third step. Saying, touch your neighbor, said it was the third step. It was the third step. And I was like, yeah, that's I'm it. Now I'm listen. I, some of y'all, you gotta take some time, you know. Uh, but I knew that was something about her that was rare, and I'm grateful um, that the Lord was right for us, and uh, she's been taking care of me and my children, and uh, she's just a phenomenal woman of God, and I'm grateful for her. I'm grateful for her, and she pretty, y'all. Can we talk for just a second? Y'all can marry for the Holy Ghost if you want to. You can marry just for that or if you just want, but you better know you got to turn over and look at that person in the middle of the night. You got to live with Listen. And I, listen, and y'all know me, I'm, I'm a trip. Ain't that much Holy Ghost in the world to get over ugly. That's the truth. Woodrow had to drink. Some of y'all, that's my, that, come on, thank you. See, because they, they, I can't deal with I'm just trying, I'm trying to find you. You ain't got to find me. I'm where I am. I'm, you, Woodrow had to stay drunk. Because imagine having to wake up to Aunt Esther and see her every day. That's facts. And, 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 you know, I used to, I used to, when I was young and dumb in ministry and pastoring, I used to tell folks, find somebody that got the Holy Ghost. You know, yeah, okay, yeah. But I don't just tell them that anymore. I said, listen, here's the deal. God made us to be able to enjoy that person in the natural as well. Wasn't that a nice way of saying that? Yeah, I want you to be able to speak in tongues and pray when I need, but I don't need all that all the time. All right, praise the Lord. See, that's, amen. I want to like what I, I want to like to look at what I married. Praise Jesus. And I'll leave it right there. I love to look at her. She's a beautiful woman of God. And I'm telling you, she's giving me beautiful children. They're good to look at too. So, and she makes me good to look at as well. So then I'm, so then there's that. So I'm grateful that God has blessed so favorably. And I'm grateful for you today. For those of you who have been here any length of time, any modicum of time, you've seen the church through various transitions. You've seen them through various changes. People come and people go. Uh, programs come, programs go. Ministries come, ministries go. But the one consistent thing that you can attest to is that Bishop and Lady B are constants. That they have grown in grace and favor with the Lord and with men. And as long as they're growing, you should be too. Overwhelmed by your enthusiasm. I said, as long as they are growing, you should be too. You should be too. And it's, it's imperative that we always thank God for that. Always thank God for that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a different mood today. Um, and my wife will tell you, I, I, I've been in very few times I preached at the church this year. I've been teaching a lot this year, Bishop. And um, not don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going to preach a little bit here. Don't worry about it. But I, I feel like I need to, I, I'm in a teaching mode. And let me tell you why. COVID did something to the saints. COVID did something to the church. Those, those two and a half, three years did something to the mind and the spirit of the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the folk in church. 
that I think if we're not careful, the things that God has granted us, we will overlook and we will disconnect from because somehow we don't think they're no longer they're any longer necessary to the intricacies of our lives. I, I was talking to Bishop B last night and we were just talking about some members and some folks. And I said to him, the problem that we're having in this hour is that folks don't think don't think they need a pastor. They believe social media and what they see and the gossip and the rumors that they hear and they disconnect them li their lives from covering and counseling. And it's a travesty because they think they've made it thus far on their own. But God will do things for you because of who you're connected to that he wouldn't do for yourself. Yeah, that's why we say foreparents and forefathers and ancestors and things like that because we're trying to show connection. We're trying to show that we're not just islands alone in the world, that we have some kind of legacy, some kind of impartation that's generational. It's imperative that we know Jesus comes through 40 and two generations, not just as a sign of his Israelite, you know, pedigree, but he has connection. I'm scared of folk that's prophesying and preaching and pastoring don't have no connection. I'm afraid of members that come to my church but seek not to have any kind of connection. How can you sit with me for 15, 20 years and not be connected to the mantle on my life? That's what I love about what the couple said up here. That, that they, it's not that they had, they, they had not been to church. But what brought them here and what keeps them here is a connection. Beloved, you've got to be connected in this season. Try it one more time. You've got to be connected in this season. I think I've earned the right to take my time here. You, you've got to be connected in this season. Um, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in just a few minutes. But it's concerning to me. It's concerning to me how people can just walk away. It's concerning to me how they have no, watch this word, roots. Which says they don't care about their lives in a storm. When you can dig yourself up and move yourself because your season is up or because the Lord, whatever Lord you serve, has told you to move and didn't tell anybody else that but just you. want to have a conversation when you join but you send me a text message and an email when you're leaving there's some level of mental psychosis there like something wrong with literally your mind there's something detached that you would think that God would be so careless and so disrespectful to uproot you from good ground 
And when I, te- when I say this, I say this emphatically. I've traveled quite a bit, talked to a lot of pastors and leaders post-COVID, during COVID. You all ought to dance and celebrate because you've got consistency in the room. For all of the men and women of God that's trying to leave out the pulpit because people don't care about who they are. They don't care about the level of sacrifice that we go through and have gone through just to be able to produce a 30-minute to a 45-minute sermon. You don't know that probably been a decade of life, a decade of process, a decade of suffering. Talk to me. A decade of struggle that they went through just to give you 45 minutes of empowerment that will change your life. And let me tell you how gracious God is. God will say, I gave them the decade so you won't have to live it. So it won't take you 10 years. I'm overwhelmed by your enthusiasm. It won't take you 10 years to be victorious. But it took them 10 years to learn the lesson of victory. It won't take you 10 years. It's going to take you 45 minutes if you get it to how to be blessed. But it took them 20 years to learn how to be blessed and not debt free. So every time the man and the woman of God stand here, God just sped you up. Hear me. They took, God just took the delay out of time for you. Every time they stand up. Because God used their lives. <laughs> Y'all ain't hear me. God used their lives to speed you up. He slowed them down so you could speed up. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, he slowed, slowed them down so we could speed up. And don't allow the devil to make you feel like it's time you're seasoning up. No, 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 no. Your season ain't up yet. That's the devil. That's who it is. That's who it is. Listen, let me let, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I've got a new book out and I brought some with me. And if you don't get one, it's Myra's fault. Um, um, yes. Over the, over the pandemic, I wrote, I wrote uh, um, we had been in consecrated prayer. And uh, um, every morning I would get up and I would just write a little devotional, a little something to lead off the prayer. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 4. And... Um, Every morning I would post them, and my my assistant hit me up after prayer one morning. He said, "Bishop, this would be so wonderful if I had this in a book. That if you could produce this and put it in the book." And I was like, "Ah, ah, you know." And I heard the Holy Spirit said, "He's right. Go and put it in the book." So uh, this book is simply called "Yes." It's called "Yes: Thirty Days of Focus and Devotion," and uh, I have some out there, and I want you to get them. I'm not going to believe the point because I want to get to this text, but I promise you, I promise you, as I do with everything that I give to anybody, if it doesn't bless you, I'll give you your money back. It's just not, you know, whatever. Because I'm not doing it for the money because I ain't giving it for free, praise Jesus. But, because <laughs> it costs me to make it. So, so, um, but if you do that, I promise you, as, as much as, uh, I don't know how many we have out there, but I'll be signing them, uh, but 
If you don't get one, it's, I promise you it's Myra's fault. It's not mine. I, I love JB and I love Myra to my heart. They're like my little brother and sister. They're amazing people and amazing for the ministry. I thank God. And um, as our children are now working in ministry with us, we can see the benefits of our children, of, 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 of our family, of family working in ministry. Some folks, why well, has it got to be their family? Because they've seen the ins and outs of ministry. And they, they know better than anybody. Uh, they've seen their parents struggle to be faithful to you and everyone else. And um, I think it's, it's important. Y'all, Dre got a bun. I, can, I said, wait a minute, I didn't recognize you when I walked for I said, Lord, Dre got a bun, and he getting gray, y'all. Come on, come with us. I love him. I love all these musicians. I love him. I think Dre was here when I first got here, wasn't he? Yeah, Dre was here. Every time I come in town, he comes, and he is able. He's on that organ. I appreciate him so much. Um, I, I believe that's, that's an order. That's an order. That's an order. Um, one day, bring me in to talk to the musicians one day. I got something to tell them. And it ain't bad. Musicians get nervous when I say that. That's, it's all good, I promise you. Um, 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 4, I think we're going to see something here. I urge you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, beginning at verse number 15, I'm sorry, 15 and 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 15 and 16, and 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, just two, four simple verses. I urge you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Archaea. And that they have addicted themselves, or better yet, devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Why? That you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. There's something different about the house of Stephanus, the household of of Stephanus. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. Pay close attention now. Pay, I need you to pay close attention to what I'm about to say. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart or we do not faint. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not faint, or we faint not, or we do not lose heart. May God add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his word. Let me get to work. I want to preach this morning from the thought, mercy made me do it. Please look at somebody and tell them, mercy made me do it. First of all, I want to say congratulations on 30 years of ministry, because many people don't make it that far. 30 years of pastoring. 
30, when you search it out, is the number of exposure. It's the season or the age of the time when psychologists say you finally get some sense. 20s are the reckless years, they assume, because you're stuck between times in your 20s. You're just coming out of your teenage years, and yet you have to embrace your adult years. And there's still some immaturity, a lot of it, in you. I, I, I've never really met, I've met some, but, 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 but I've never really met a serious 20-year-old. 20-year-old, when you get in your 20s, you talk too much still. You're still doing things to impress people. You, you still think you're in college, and, and some even think they're still in high school. In your 20s. The sense and the gravity of responsibility has not yet come into your life because, because you're not ready to buckle down and take life by the horns. If you're not careful, 20 will deceive you. Because legally, 20 is the first time you can start getting drunk. In your 20s, you start getting drunk on yourself. Drunk on your giftings and your abilities. 20s is not when you, you haven't learned how to navigate the nuances of, of your own being. You really don't know you're valuable to the plane of life. 20s, you take risk when you shouldn't. 20s, you play too close to the fire. 20s, it's when you, when you can walk away and not feel bad about it. In your 20s, when you're... When you're in your 20s, something don't click in your mind. Because you're courageous but don't even have a life standard yet. 20s, you haven't figured out your non-negotiables. And everybody should have some non-negotiables. Oh, I'm coming down your street in a minute. <laughs> 20s, you're willing to risk your life to acquire things. 20s, if you're not careful, is when the teeth and the venom of materialism gets inside of you to where everything is about what you got. You spend your check, if you get a job, on showing folks that you got something. You're not thinking about the future, retirement, investment, family, marriage, your children. You're not in your 20s, you're not. Uh, 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 20s is where, is where you, you really get addicted to self. Self-love, self-care. It's, it's all this stuff. 20s. Now, 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 again, there are some anomalies in that. There are some that, that everybody doesn't follow that trend. But for, for the most, what psychologists have figured out is that 20s, if you're not careful, can be your most wasted years. You waste every level of energy in your 20s. Uh, you you waste your mental energy, your emotional energy. You waste your 
physical energy. You waste your financial energy. Come closer. You waste your sexual energy. In your 20s. Y'all quiet in here. And unless there is a pivot, a, a, a cataclysmic, almost chaotic uh, encounter with something that knocks some sense into your head, your 20s will be a waste. But it's something about when you cross from 29 to 30. It's almost a prodigal son phenomenon where you would fain eat with the hogs, but something shakes you. And you start seeing the glimmer and the flicker of, of light and illumination and some uh, 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 eureka, you, you, a light turns on. And, and you look backwards and you say, my God, I've wasted so much crazy. I, I don't even know how I was with this. But I don't, how did I even sleep with her? How, where, how did I spend that? I, you, I did all that. Yeah, yeah. When you hit 30, something changes. Uh, yes, it does. It, because, because you will find something called your tolerance level. 20s, you don't have no tolerance. You just drink as much as you want to drink. You do all you want. You do crazy stuff, and, and it's funny because that's the kind of friends you got. I'm not talking, I'm not talking to you dirt, deep church folks. I'm talking about folk, folks like me who wasted 20. Now, I, I'm not talking about y'all that's been at the altar with your, with your cross and your crozier and your, and your mitre on your head and your anointed oil in your pocket. But I'm talking about some of us that did some crazy, stupid stuff in our 20s. It's when you hit 30 that the lights start turning on. It's where you know I can no longer be a baby in this. At 30s, when you really look back and see life ain't fair. Ooh. And that, watch this, and that you have not been a willful participant with life. In 20, you've been fighting the lessons life has been trying to teach you. But when you get 30, you start embracing because your knees ain't like it used to be. Okay. You can still drop it like you're hot, but you ain't coming back as fast as you used to. You're not, you're not, you're not. Yeah. And in the 20s, you should drop it from your knees, but now you've got to bend the, your back a little bit. Because them knees need support when you get 30s. And when you're in the, when you get to 30, something in your mind clicks. You start being more selective with your activities. And you start, you start, watch this, you start storing better your energies. Everybody don't get access to me. Uh-oh. Only proven people need to be in my circle. 30s, if you got sense now, I'm talking about what psychologists, psychologists say, it's where you first start telling people, please don't waste my time. It's better yet, it's where you find out you ain't got time to waste. 
in your 30s, there's a sense of divine urgency that's placed upon you. Now you're trying, to, you're trying to get a family. You're trying to get stable. You're trying to figure out who you are. You, 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 you're trying to, to see the world. You're trying to make sure that you leave a mark on the planet because you know now 40 is staring you in the face. Do you recognize that from the age of 12 to 30, that we have no record of Jesus' life in the canonical gospel, in the, cano in, in, in the canon of these 66 books, we don't know what happened. There are other books that suggest some things that happened in his teen years, but, but we don't hear about Jesus from when Mary said, come here. And then we find him walking toward his destiny at 30 years old in the book of John. The gospel according to John the beloved where his, where the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and John begins to create this, this, this nuanced understanding of who Jesus really is which is the logos, the, the intentions of God that Jesus is according to in the Greek, according to God. And then we see, we see uh, Jesus being made a body, and the word became flesh. Y'all all right? And dwelt among us. And we beheld the, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace in truth. Then he switches. There was a man named John. He was not the light, but he came to testify of the light. Then it talks about he sees his cousin, Jesus. And for the first time at 30, Jesus understands, or better yet, the public understands who Jesus is. When John says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Y'all all right? From right there, John announces something that I don't think people paid attention to. That, that at 30... Bishop, please, please, be, be, please love me after I say this too. At 30, it is announced that Jesus is the sacrifice. Where he, where he gets introduced in the earth realm to the kind of life he would have to live. He is the Lamb of God. Takes away the sins of the world. Now, now, now there is a new, an Old Testament iteration of this whole idea of the Lamb of God. That, you know, these folks ain't paying attention. They just think Jesus is walking up and everybody's like, okay. He is the Lamb slain before the foundation. This man, when he should be getting ready to live at 30. His cousin announced his death. His cousin says, this is the Lamb of God who God slayed before he got here to take away the sins of the world. He exposes 
Jesus, nobody knows him. 30 is a year of exposure where the lights finally turn on. But for Jesus, it turns on and he's about to die. But, but imagine that, 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 that you walk into a place, fresh and new off the street, nobody knows you, and, and the person that sees you says, hey, this is Mr. So-and-so. He's come to die for all of us. You mean I'm just getting to the place where I'm excited about life. And you're announcing that my destiny is death. How, how sober is that for us? That you, we want to be announced, but we don't want to die. It's going to get worse in just a minute. Jesus came dead. Look at the text, y'all. Behold the Lamb of God. Jews knew what that meant. They were like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We know what we do with lambs. We sacrifice them. He came dead. What if I told you that your pastors came dead? Look at how y'all looking at me. What, what, if, what if I told you that the only way that you could have Mercy on your life. The only way that you could have power on your life is that they had to come dead and dripping with blood. And such is the case of every man and woman of God who is a pastor or a leader of a church. And here is the problem that we have in the modern day church. Is that a, a, there's a lot of pastors and leaders starting ministries too alive. It got quiet in here. It, 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 the, the, they're too alive to their own destinies. They want to be big on the stage, on social media. They don't know how to start small. And the thing is, if your pastor and your leader is alive, ministry requires sacrifice. So if they getting killed, who is? Because to do real ministry requires blood it requires sacrifice and they sacrifice the people instead of themselves because what happens when you're dealing with ministry it's got to be some level of blood somewhere when I told you 
that the only way that this church could survive this many years is that your pastors have to come bloody. They already had to be dead before they got here. Because their death is mercy for you. Y'all overwhelmed. Let's see, y'all won't talk. They had to die to their own will. Talk to me. They had to die to their own way. They had to die to their own desires. They had to die to their own flesh. In order to pray for you, they had to ignore their sickness. In order to make sure you're good, they had to ignore what was bad about them. They had to be dead when they came here. So you wouldn't have to die. Their sleep is interrupted to, to pray for the peace of your mind. They had to give money to pay your bills. Money they didn't have for themselves. And they could have complained and would have complained if they weren't already dead. Because to be a leader in the body of Christ, you got to be dead before you're going to. We can't be living and serve y'all. Talk back to me. But here's the flip of that. The reason that they've got to be dead for ministry is because ministry it's the thing that introduced them to their mercy. They're dead, yet they live in God. They live in the anointing. Y'all don't hear me. Paul said to his church in, uh, in Colossians, he says, I got to take this in my body, this affliction for you, so that Christ, the hope of glory, can live in you. But it's death to me, y'all not talking to me. It's killing me, but it's for you, so you can live in the glory of God. And we take it for granted. When I tell you, here's your shout if you don't miss it. That what 30 years have taught them, they can preach you out of something in an hour. Y'all don't know, you miss your there's some things you will never have to see because of what they have died through and died through the last 30 years. Okay. Maybe if I switch. Maybe if I switch because they didn't like that one. Whatever you're addicted to takes over your life. <laughs> the brother said something when he was up here that I don't think we got. That the, when you're addicted, you end your vacation on Saturday so you can be back on Sunday. When you're addicted. 
when you're addicted to the ministry, when you're addicted to God, when you're addicted to God's people, you won't do anything to control them and put witchcraft and manipulation on them and steal all their money and go to another town. But, but, but when you are an addict, now physicians will tell you if you stay addicted to any drug too long, it will eventually kill you because it's going to deteriorate your body. When you are addicted to ministry, you have so denied yourself and died to yourself that the only way you can live is you got to get a fix. So then, the same thing, oh Lord, help me preach this. The same thing that kills the addict is keeping them alive. <laughs> Y'all missed it. Let me try it again. The same thing that kills the addict is the same thing they need to stay alive. They can't function without it, although it's killing them. Y'all, I hope y'all getting this. The, the, the same thing, the same thing that kills an addict, they need it. Okay, come on, come on. The same thing, the, the cocaine that kills the addict is what they need to function. Because they're addicted. See I, I, see, I don't think we understand how addiction works. That whatever you're addicted to is slowly killing you. Huh? But you can't live without it. So you, because it's the thing that makes you feel normal. When you're addicted to ministry, ministry will kill you. It's designed to sacrifice you. It's designed to pull blood out of you. Why y'all looking at me like that? If I'm ministering to you, it's pulling life out of me so you can live. But if I don't do ministry, I'm going to have a fit. Y'all not talking. I'm not going to be myself. So I got to do ministry. Even though it's killing me, it's what I need to live. Until it kills me. Wish y'all hear me. Pastors are anointed. Y'all ready? Drum roll, please. To die by ministry. They don't like this. That's why many can't let go to Mike. I wish he would stop his hands shaking. He can't remember people's name no more. And we make fun of that. But he don't know how. He must be need a check. That man don't need no check. He's addicted. Lord help me. He's addicted like the house of Stephanus. Who are the first fruits of Archaea. Right? Now that word first fruit in the Greek means he's different. He is a different kind of dedication than the rest of them. The house of Stephanus, he, he's taught his whole household the inner working. The household means economy. The whole economy of how the, uh, the Stephanus house functions is that all of him, his wife and his children are addicted to ministry. 
The Bible says they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. It's, it's, it's not that, it's not just that Myra and JB grew up in a house of a pastor. It's that somewhere along the line, what addicted their parents, their parents gave them. And now they're addicted. Just like their mom and daddy. You can make light of it all you want to. But I'm grateful that's an addiction they can't shake. Y'all missed it. I'm grateful that they, whatever God gave them concerning this house, every day they wake up, they're addicted to it. And I'm grateful for that because if they were not, guess what? Guess where you would be? They might have still been looking for a church. Better yet, they might have been divorced now. That's another level of thinking about it. How we treat pastors. How we treat their children. The whole house. They're different. Because you know some people can live a, do, do without ministry. I get, they, they, they hang up the ministry like they hang up their clothes. They hang up their religion. You know, you say, yeah, I, I don't feel like this today. I don't feel like coming to church today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like, I, I, I don't feel like going to see about people today. I don't feel like, you know, you know, making sure they are. I don't feel like traveling to the funeral. Let the dead bury the dead. That's what you say when you're not addicted. But when you're addicted, you travel two and three hours. Just to go funeralize, just to go hold somebody. You ain't even on the program. You're just holding their hand as they take goodbye to their loved one. You ain't get no check for that. That don't add no more for your retirement. But heaven is pleased. Why did they do it? It's the addiction. And you might not appreciate it now. But you wait till you need them and you see them walking through the door. You, you wait till, well, well, they don't have nothing else to do on a, on a Saturday. They could be kicking up, watching the Flintstones. I don't even know what y'all watch. But <laughs> they, they could be going to the beach. But, but, but you needed them. And they're addicted to ministering to you. Because it's killing them to do it. And it's killing them not to do it. Y'all know I don't ever bring a simple message. I want to make you think today. Because we're at year 30 now. Things about to change. Some of y'all have to grow up now. Because 30 changes things. Let me see if I can back up this text. <laughs> I think I've tangled myself up real bad. No, I haven't. Here's the deal. If you look at the 2 Corinthians 4 text, if you could put that on the screen, because I want you all to see this as we walk through this, as I preach you through this. Y'all okay? Okay. Therefore, Paul talking, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, because now the question is, what keeps them going? 
we faint now. I, I, I really, I, what if I was in my church and I talk like I want to? I'm just sick of these Negroes today. I don't want to lay hands. I don't want to preach for nothing. I want to I'm sick. I need to go into rehab for ministry because I'm, I'm tired of being addicted. There's got to be something easier in life. I can go back to the base. I, maybe they can put me on and I can do desk work because it's so much easier. I ain't got to deal with personalities like this. I ain't got to deal with, I don't want to deal with none of this crap that these chocolate saints do to me. Don't miss your shout. Then the Holy Spirit taps them on the shoulder. Say, you know why you got this ministry? No, they get on my nerve. I can't stand them. They get on my nerve. They hope church burn down. Because ministry can push you to that point. See, if you ain't never been in it, you would never know. So, slow with your judgment. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> that part. Holy Spirit said, yeah, but you got this kind of ministry in proportion to the mercy I have on your life. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. So the level of ministry you have on your life is in proportion to the mercy that you have received. The level of the, the size and the demand of ministry that rests upon you has everything to do with the kind of mercy your life demands. Because you got your hands full of ministry because it takes a whole lot of mercy to keep you alive. Come here, come here. Now that word mercy doesn't mean you did something wrong. It, that, that don't, that's not what mercy means. Mercy means that the level of weight of compassion and grace that God has on your life, that it, it takes all of that to keep the enemy off of you. To keep you, okay. I'm trying to figure out. Okay. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Every time, as a matter of fact, his name means accuser. Every time you go to sleep, something is trying to kill you. And they're trying to kill you to the proportion of how effective you are in the world. Man. So when you've not been that effective or efficacious, when your life has not been big, when you've not helped anybody, when you the devil ain't trying to be, he ain't trying to bother you at all. Satan on my track, he don't even know where you're going. Don't even worry about it. That's not Satan. That's just laziness. That's because you ain't doing nothing. Huh? Here's the problem: the devil is not omnipresent. Watch this. Now, watch this. 
God could be doing something with me and with her. But the devil can't be messing with me and her at the same time. He's not omnipresent. He has no kingdom. We try to equate, equate hell and heaven. They're not equal. They're not. Hell has no king. Better yet, back you up. Hell does have a king. Want me to tell you who it is? His name is Jesus. Jesus got the keys to hell. Come on. Death, come on. And the grave. So, so Jesus is the king of heaven and the king of hell. The devil has no kingdom. God has no equal. The devil has no place to go right now. Satan, what you doing here? I'm roaming to and fro in the earth. That's the book of Job. That's what he said. He said, I, he said I'm trying to find somebody to mess with. Seeking whom he may be, because he, he don't have nothing else to do except you give him place. We act like heaven and hell are equal. They are not. So, so he ain't mess with you if you ain't doing nothing. But, but if you're making an impact in the kingdom, watch this, if you're doing ministry, if, if you're getting folks saved, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost, taking them down in the water, ministering to their pain, making sure they got what they need in terms of their natural life. They got food to eat. They, 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 that their marriages are strong. You are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And you are your most close to death when you are sleeping. So you have absolutely no idea how many demons have been released against you when you're sleeping. Lord have mercy. But when we, we, we African Americans got, got it right. We got the theology right, but we don't know how it's done. When we said he made death behave. Y'all missed it. That means while you're sleeping... There's a battle going on over your life. Lord. In proportion to the effective ministry that you are working. That's why some of y'all better get into ministry quick because you do this. <laughs> because ministry is your life insurance. Talk, Bishop Anderson. Ministry is your health insurance. Because when he tries to touch the bees at night. Mercy says absolutely not. Lord have mercy. Compassion says, devil, you got to go someplace else. You know why? Not just because of them, but because of you. What would happen to this house if, they, if you lost your leaders? Y'all ain't saying nothing and you ain't excited enough. If something happened to them, if death were to touch them, what would happen to you? So, God says, mercy, take your place. Because I need them to get up in the morning. Because they got a people who need them. They got a people they're raising up. They got a people who need deliverance. 
They got a people who the shackles and the yoke of bondage is getting ready to come off of their life and I got to cause them to live. Watch this. And it took mercy. The reason why we have this ministry is because mercy is protecting me. I need you to witness to somebody and say, neighbor, the reason why I'm still here is because mercy has been protecting me. Mercy, 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 mercy. And the devil is mad because you got that kind of mercy. Y'all don't know when to praise him. The devil is mad because the bees got that kind of mercy. Do you not know the car accident was designed to kill you? Oh God. Do, do you not know that the bullet was designed to hit you? Do you not know that the knife was designed to stab you? Do you not know when you stop breathing, glory to God, because you understand that when you do a sleep study, they test how many times you stop breathing at night, but you don't know, you understand when your body stops breathing, the, the Spirit of God breathing you again and said, that's mercy and God says when you got that kind of mercy you ought to receive ministry you ought to sweep the floor you ought to clean the toilets you ought to be an usher you ought to be an intercessor you ought to be a pastor when you got that kind of mercy look at somebody and say I got that kind of mercy shout to him and say I got that kind of mercy I got that kind of mercy. Do you realize when I was in my 30s, I think my late, late, my 30s, my early 30s, late 20s, I went to my doctor, Dr. Albert White. And he, that was the first time in my early 20s was the first time I was on blood pressure medicine. And uh, doctor, I was in my, you know, in my late 20s, late 20s, early 30s. And Dr. White said, well, we're going to do a prostate check on you. I was like, now you know, I had read, you start that when you're in your 50s, you understand? He said, I'm going to do it, I'm going to check you from the rooter to the tutor. I said, why? He says, because what you do, he's a saved doctor, spirit filled. He said, what you do on behalf of God's people, a normal person without the anointing can't handle it. Their body ages too quickly. Preaching ages your body quicker. Any, I said, wait a minute. He said, it does. It's that kind of stress. He said, and let's not talk about the spiritual stress you come under while you got that mic in your hand. So I have to treat you. You're in your 20s, but I got to treat you like you're in your 50s. Because that's what ministry does to a body. We are literally here because of mercy. Here's what you don't understand. Mercy is your health insurance policy. <laughs> every, every, the devil would love to give you a heart attack, but, but every time you don't see mercy. Yeah. 
See, you don't see mercy fighting for him. Y'all, y'all, y'all missed it all. You don't see mercy up here when he preaching and he walking around and he dancing and he singing. The devil said, I'm going to catch him at the time when mercy ain't covering him. But he missed the, he missed the text when it says, his mercy endureth forever. That means he can't penetrate when mercy is there. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, the reason why the devil can't kill you because mercy is on you. Y'all ain't happy about it. You would have died but mercy. Hey, 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 hey. High five your neighbor and say, neighbor, I would have been gone. But mercy said no. Mercy protected me. Mercy said absolutely not. You don't know how many demons mercy got up off of you. You don't know how many, de- how, how many spirits of molestation and incest that your child was, was afforded to miss because mercy. The mercy on your house. Prophesy to somebody and tell them there's mercy on your house. Are y'all hearing me? Oh, I wish I could preach y'all like I want to. But I need to teach y'all something. That the reason why you're here, watch this, is because of mercy. And he says, it's because of mercy that we do ministry. I ain't scared of ministry. Because mercy got me. If I had had to be 20 people that would just shake your neighbor's hand, hand, I mean, shake it like you're shaking a short shaker and say, neighbor, mercy got me. Mercy got you. Mercy, mercy was a thing. That's why I'm not fading. My foot would almost slip, but mercy got me. I would have lost my mind, but mercy got me. I would have went through that divorce, but mercy got me. The heart attack would have took me out of here, but mercy. Hey, I need somebody to shout mercy. Mercy. That's what it was. Bishop, they don't, they don't understand. They, they don't know the days you would have gave up. You coming in smiling all the time. They don't know the days before you got to this place. That you're going to say, you know what, this ain't even worth this. Here's the facts. Because in our natural man, we don't think it always worth this. We're looking at people, you know, they're in Greece. They're in Santorini. They're in Mykonos. They're on the beach. They're in Jamaica sunny. And we think about the saints. We can't get y'all out of our mind. We can't even enjoy our vacation. Because we're thinking about you. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And just when our master say, you know, forget all that. I'm going to stay over here. Mercy taps us on the shoulder and says, remember what I'm keeping you from. And if you're going to take this mercy, here's this ministry. So you better not faint. That's it. These COVID saints, post-COVID saints, 
are enough to make you faint. I mean, folk, folk you thought you could depend on. Got quiet now. Who you done labored for? Who you done prayed for? Who you done tarried for? Went to see them. They ate hands on them. They couldn't have children when they got to your church, came to you. One prayer. Now they got a house full. The doctors are amazed. And now you treat me like that? Your season is up. I guess because you ain't having no more babies. And you feel used. Y'all got quiet again. You ain't have no job when you came in. I, I employed you at one of my stores. Now you don't need this kind of ministry no more. This beneath you. You need to go to Atlanta to the city because you've outgrown Warner Roberts. Come from some place in Coffee County. Now you grand and brand new. Because that's, that's how Negroes do. Yeah, okay. That's, that's. And, and, and when you feel those attacks, it's personal. Because there's no real ministry that happens that does not take out some of the person that gives it. Man, I wish I could really teach ministry one of That you don't ever minister and not lose yourself. Like, like you don't lose, you don't love somebody and not lose a piece of you. Because real, real love from the, from the biblical context is an investment. It's a decision. Ain't, ain't no feeling. And we've had to watch plenty of people walk out with pieces of us walk out the door. And then get to Publix and act like they ain't never seen us. Okay, and we got to stay holy. We, we got to stay right. Now, one, one of my struggles used to be, not any anymore, but it used to be cussing folks out. Don't do that. Don't, do, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't look at me like that. Thank you. This is why, this is why I use a lot of big words. I had to improve my vocabulary. I had to improve the dexterity of my lexicon so that when I saw chocolate people like that, I would speak in an elevated, you know, eloquence. <laughs> but, 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 but what I wanted to say, now I'm, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a piece of you, and they act like they don't know you. And they act like you ain't never done nothing before them. And they act like, you know, well, you know, how, how, it's no longer First Lady. How's, how's Sister Smith? Oh, it's Sister Smith now. Okay. Yeah, you know how they get, you know. How's, you know, how the children, like you don't know my, my children were in the same children's church with your little rugrat, but you don't know my, my, my children. How's the children? Um, what's their name again? Oh, okay. I got you. No problem. See, so, so here's the facts. Here's the facts. 
you wouldn't be surfing if you weren't riding on my wave. So, so that's the first thing. No, see, see, y'all, y'all pastor too nice to say that, but this one ain't. This, this one ain't. Because you, no, you, you wouldn't be where you are had it not been for me pulling you out and training you and showing you what to do. You'd have still been living in that one-bedroom apartment had we not shown you and brought you in our house and looked over your finances and told you how to get things done. But now today you don't know my name. We would have fainted if it had not been for mercy. We, we, look, y'all, y'all not hear me. Mercy was the thing that says close your mouth. Mercy was the thing that said don't cuss you out. Now some of y'all, I see some of y'all, I can tell, I know my kindred folk, some of y'all got that same kind of mercy I got. That I would have said, listen, I wanted to read them for generations. You don't understand what I'm saying. Untold and unseen generations I want to. But God says to do that would make you a witch and that's not what you are. You don't give a blessing and take it back. I would rather you die while they walk around being blessed by what you gave them than for you to turn into a warlock and speak a word curse on them and take it back. That's not who you are. Remember your mercy. Would you please tell your neighbor, remember your mercy. Remember you. Paul pulls out. I got to land this plane. Because I saw some turbulence coming. Paul picks out this whole thing. Look what he says. He says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Go back there. You had the right turn. Uh, No, no, no. I I haven't done crafty to nobody. I've not mishandled the truth. And he says this, he says, and I have reckoned myself or committed myself to the conscience of every man. This is the last thing I'm going to say before the last thing I say. That means that as a minister, I have made myself concerned with how other folks feel and think about me. Mm-mm. You missed it. That part of ministry means I got to be concerned with how you feel about me when I stand to minister. Which is why I can't get you back like I want to. But my manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to what? Every man's conscience in the sight. That means how I treat you. If you think bad about me, I got to watch how I respond because God is watching. I'm glad Bishop House preached so I got to preach y'all hard. Hit me, hit me. Because the next verse says it. If our gospel be hid, is the hid to those 
who are lost. And what I cannot afford to do is get you back because you hurt me. And you no longer see my gospel. You ain't worth me hiding the gospel. I need you to talk, talk to your neighbor. Say, ain't nothing you do to me is worth me hiding the gospel. Tell your neighbor. Say, ain't nothing you do or say to me. Ain't nothing you could ever contrive or contrive about me is worth me losing mercy. Because when I'm on a flight, I need mercy to be with me. Y'all... In these days of reckless turbulence, in these days where winds are converging, in these days where it's snowing in California. Y'all ain't saying nothing. In these days where the weather don't know what it wants to do, and you're going to take me 30,000, God, you can kill me on the ground. You ain't got to let no plane fall. No, but if I'm here, I need the mercy to hold up the plane. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Why? Because I got ministry to do. Y'all don't understand it. I got ministry to do when I get back to Alabama. So mercy, hold up the plane. Because guess what? I can't drive it. God, if you don't keep the pilot alert, and I need you to tell the winds, be still. Because of the mercy on my life, God will honor my requests. Because I'm taking full control and charge of the ministry. Can I say this to you? And I'm going to get out of your way. There's some things you have left on the table. And mercy says you can ask for as long as you take ministry. You can't ask for mercy if you don't take the ministry. Would you tell somebody, say, neighbor, you can't ask for mercy if you don't take the ministry. You can't ask God, protect me when I come and when I go. God says, yes, but I got to fill your hands first. You ain't been wanting to sing in the choir? Here's what I understand. The choir kept me saved. Look at how y'all looking at me. Okay, being a musician on the organ in revival kept me from fondicating. I call it fondicating because the saints can't handle fondication. That, that ministry, my mama had us in ministry all the time. And it protected me. Y'all, now hear me. Ministry protect. This is why you can't, listen, don't just feed these kids no pizza and no ice cream and don't teach them about their part in ministry because when they get from around you, they need to have ministry when they go to school. Y'all worry about prayer in school. I don't want the school to pray for my child. I want my child to have a prayer life in them. Y'all, let's. I need them to have mercy on their lives. I need them when they go to the movie theater that nobody comes in and shoots up the movie theater because mercy is on my children. I'm against these QCQC youth ministries and QCQC children's ministry. Hey, you better tell your child that the reason why they are here is because of mercy. Do you know how many shooters are coming into schools not caring about children, blowing them to bits and pieces? I need when I, my child goes to school, they come back home. Why? Because of mercy on them. I need them to understand who they are in God. I don't need them just to think that they're in church to have a good time or whether yet a fun time. I need them to know who they are in ministry because ministry will put mercy on their lives. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. 
Y'all looking for y'all looking for places and churches that got a, a swing set and a merry-go-round and a, and a playground for the children, and they can have all of that. But I need my kids to know how to pray. I need my kids to know the word of God. I need my kids to know how to respect authority. I need my kids to know how to speak in tongues. Y'all quiet. I need to let my kids to know how to lay hands on each other. Y'all not saying anything to me. I was laying hands on my mama and my daddy when I was eight and nine years old. They didn't wait for me to learn it when I got to be an adult. And I believe that's because of the mercies on my parents. Now become the mercies on my life. That's the mercies on my children. Shout to your neighbor and say mercy is hereditary. Everywhere you go, hear me now, you are a threat to the devil. Steph, everywhere you go, you are a threat to the devil. You don't know the incredible mercies that's on your life every time you pick up this mic to sing to people. They're enamored by the dexterity and the fluidity of your runs and your riffs. They see your tone quality and they think that's what it is. They hear you preaching and they think that's what it is. But the truth of the matter is God gave you that as a sign of the mercies that he's got keeping you. The mercies that no man could, 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 could rape you and no man could take advantage of you. They don't understand that when you walk, mercies are following you. Watch this, y'all, that the 23rd Psalms tells us at the letter close surely okay y'all they, they don't they don't they don't they don't y'all don't know how to shout and dance tell your neighbor say neighbor neighbor all of my life I didn't have to fight because behind me was goodness and mercy y'all ain't happy about that that wherever I go if they tried to treat me that's all right. Goodness and mercy will make it up. When they tried to harm me, I had to worry about it. Goodness and mercy was following me. And the reason why I'm here today, I wish y'all would get real Houston County and shake somebody's hand and say, neighbor, the reason why we are still here is because goodness and mercy follow us. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. They thought they were going to cheat you with that car, but it ain't going to happen. Goodness and mercy. Going to make them bring that price down. Because what goodness and mercy says, this is the honor of the Lord. This is the favorite of God. Don't try to cheat them. I'll shut the whole dealership down. Y'all miss that. Y'all don't know who you are in God. That's why y'all ain't saying amen. That, 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 there are people that will mistreat you, but mercy will say, don't do it to them because if you mess with this one, God will shut your entire business down. And the reason why I preach like I do is not because I can. I'm a fourth generation preacher. I've heard some good preachers, some of the best preaching in my life. It's not because I'm such a good singer. I come from a family of singers and musicians. That's not why I sing. I sing because mercy makes me do it. Now I understand when the saints used to come to church and says this. This, this used to tear up the whole church. I don't know if whether, 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 whether it would tear up the winning church. 
they used to come in church and when I think of the goodness. Oh, Jesus. And oh, oh, God. See, I felt that. See, y'all. See, I sneak up. All he's done for me. My soul. Oh, Christ, hallelujah. Is there anybody here that can say, hallelujah. I thank God for saving me. I didn't understand it then. Reach over and touch somebody and say, neighbor, it's because of the mercies. It's because, it's because of the mercies. It's, it's because of the mercies. It's, be, it's because of the mercies. It's because, it's because of the mercies. It's, it's because of the mercies. It's, be, it's because of the mercies. It's because of what I'm carrying in my hand. Y'all missed it. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, neighbor. You may not be able to see it, but I'm carrying ministry in my hand. There's a ministry mantle all over me, and the devil would like to kill me. But because I got this ministry on me, mercy is all around me. Mercy is on my hands. Mercy is on my head. Mercy is in my feet. And the devil is mad because he can't touch me. But look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the reason why I do everything I do, and the reason why I sing like I sing, is because mercy makes me do do it. When I think of how God keeps me, and when I think of how God cares for me, and when I think about how God tells death, leave me alone, I can't help but to serve him. I can't help but to praise him. I can't help but to bless God's people because mercy is making me do it. Lay your hands on somebody and shout mercy, mercy, mercy. Just say it about three times till they get it. Stir it up on them and come on. Don't leave nobody untouched. Say, neighbors, it's because of the mercies of God. Here's what Paul says in Romans 12. Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I love that word reasonable, mother, because what reasonable says in the Greek, it simply means it makes sense. Y'all missed it. That all me presenting my body to this ministry makes sense to me. Because when I think about the mercies that I have received, the way that I serve God makes sense. See, Steph, it makes sense that we sing and preach like this. And people look at, how can you do that? Because it makes sense to me. Out of all the goodness that God has had to me, for me, and out of all the ways that he's blessed me, and how he kept my wife and kept my children, do you understand that he kept me when I couldn't keep myself? Lord, help me. God kept my mind because of his mercy. And I'm grateful, and it just makes sense. Touch your neighbor and say, it just makes sense to me. It just, it makes sense to me. It just makes sense to me. To ignore you when you treat me bad. It makes sense to me to come in here and pick up the piece of paper and I'm not the janitor. 
it just makes sense to me to pray for somebody when they didn't ask for it. You know why? Because if you understood the, man, y'all don't hear me. If you understood the kind of mercy, maybe if you preach to your neighbor because they ain't getting it from my head. Talk to your neighbor and say, if you understand the kind of mercy that's on my life, y'all Y'all ain't happy. Y'all ain't happy. Come on, Dre. If you if you if they don't understand, if you understood the kind of mercy, any former alcoholics in here? Look at how y'all looking at me. Thank you, sweetheart, because some of these folk lying in here. Thank you for not lying. Any for any former weed smokers in here? Thank, thank you. Thank you. See, see, I said former. Good. What's wrong? You act like you don't confuse about your own deliverance. Anybody used to do cocaine in here? Okay, yeah. uh, okay see, y'all ain't saying that. <laughs> Any kind of drug addiction. I'm, I'm finna clean the house right. Anybody had a sexual addiction? If I could raise my feet and still stand, I would. If you could be addicted to those things. How can you not be addicted to God? Sound like, listen, I, listen. I like, I, I like drugs, I like nothing. Because I figure, watch me, Bishop, they're going to laugh at me, but you hear me. Not that you recognize me. But my thing is, if I ever got in bed with anybody, I wanted to be, because I knew who it was. I didn't want to ever be wicked with somebody like, who is this? That, I couldn't do drugs. I couldn't handle alcohol. I had to close in my right mind when I make that kind of decision. With my, you, you know, I wasn't smart at it. But anyhow, some of y'all were some nasty addicts. Somebody put weed in your mouth, you smoke right behind them. Don't do that. Don't do, don't do, don't do. They drank some out the bottle. You drank right behind them. Don't do that. Don't, don't. Look at how y'all looking at me like, I can tell. Listen, I can, listen. <laughs> Saints, I'm trying, but they lying in here today. You hear me? They lying. Boy, y'all, y'all ain't lying like this in years. I know it. Uh, listen, that's what salvation is supposed to do. It's, it's supposed to wipe the memory away from what you used to be. But stop this lying, you know. Because I want you to see what mercy is really covering up. Now, mm, salvation is, is a change of spirit and mind. Now you, which means that the Lord didn't just give you a new spirit, but he keeps renewing your mind. No, don't worry about it. I'm coming down your street since y'all lied like you lied. Now, if he ever stops renewing your mind, one of the things about the mind is it doesn't forget how. So you can, see, see you can quickly go back. That's why you ain't got to lie about it. Because the Holy Ghost is keeping your mind. Come here, you don't get a new mind, you get a new spirit. Your mind has to be renewed. That means you can be saved and still be struggling. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. 
That's salvation 101. That's why we walk slow with people who just get saved because we ain't expecting them to be perfected like we are because we've been 20 years in this. They just got there. They don't have the renewing of the mind. Now, here's the, here's the thing. For the process of the renewing of the mind, lamentation says this. This I will recall to my mind. Therefore will I have hope. It is of the Lord's that we are not consumed. Y'all, uh, Why? Because they are new. Every morning, y'all ain't saying nothing. The reason why you don't go back is because every morning mercy gives you a new mind. Mercy renews your mind tell you you ain't no, Oh, God, I'm thankful because there are so everything you turn loose wasn't something that hurt you. Boy, if I could have revival here. Everything we let go didn't hurt us. They used to testify in our church, God saved me from a miserable life of sin. I don't know what kind of, you was doing it wrong. No way, okay. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say sin is a miserable life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the pleasures of sin. I had a good time. Oh, okay, y'all now. That's why I can't be in no dry church. That's why I can't be in a church that don't dance and shout. Because guess what? I had a good time in sin. God promised me a better time. Y'all ain't talking. <laughs> Hello. I was having a good time in sin. But God says, if you come over here with me, I got something that eyes ain't seen, that ears have not heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man. The things I've got prepared for you. And so every morning, my mind says, no, you ain't got to go back because God's got something better. Would you tell somebody, say, neighbor, that was mercy saying that every morning he won't let you be a backslider. Everybody's standing. I got to get out of here. I'm grateful for my sister, Pastor Bruinton, and my brother, Bishop House, hollering and, and preaching hard for y'all so I don't have to. Thank you, God. But, 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 but here's what I want to tell y'all. You ought to be shouting and screaming and dancing because of the kind of mercy you got on your life. See, you 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 waiting to pre you waiting for me to preach you into a frenzy. All you need is a memory. It, you 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 you, it, oh, you need to think about what you looked like 10, 15, 20 years ago. Better yet, you need to think about what your life looked like before you met Jesus. And and, and, and you, you, you need to think about it. I remember, my, uh, I, I never knew in my teen years, my youngest years, I never knew my daddy not to drink. My daddy was a big alcoholic growing up. And uh, um, when, he, when, when, when he got older, he didn't stop drinking. He had a stroke. He didn't stop drinking. You know. So they moved to Alabama with me. My mom and dad moved to Alabama in my church. And I remember... I can remember the Sunday my daddy got saved for real, for real. I mean, for real, for real. 
and I remember when he he was trying to shout and dance, and 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 that stroke seemed like it wouldn't let him go because he was paralyzed. What side, honey? Was the left side? He was paralyzed on the left side, but but he was still shouting, and he said for the first time in all of my years, I've never felt free from drinking like this. I've never felt this kind of freedom. My dad lived into his, in his, his mid-70s, and he said for the first time in his life, he had never felt that kind of freedom. We didn't never miss church, always helping out. The Lord shifted his entire life, broke that addiction, and then he acted like he was the only one saving the world. You know, because when you, he, I mean, everything, what the word says, son, don't, I'm your pastor. How you going to tell me what, don't tell me, who, don't be questioning me about the word. You got saved under my ministry. You don't tell me. I was excited, though, to see him in that kind of change. And I asked him one day, I said, Dad, we were sitting out the back. He said, he was potting a plant. I said, Dad, you don't, you don't ever get mad with God? Lord have mercy. He said, you don't ever get mad? I said, you don't ever get mad at God because of the stroke, you know? He said, no, because that stroke was my mercy. I still got the picture in my phone. He says, no, son, that stroke was my mercy because I could have been dead. See, when you just regular Pentecostal, you to try to pray for the stroke to go away. But that stroke was his, was his Jacob's limp. Y'all ain't hear me. That stroke was the sign of his new name. Was the sign of his new mind. It was a sign to him. That stroke was mercy for him. Because it forced him to separate from friends that, that were giving him liquor for free. It forced him to separate from friends that was giving him reefer and weed. Y'all remember reefer? Y'all, okay. For free, right? It, see, see, some of the things God leaves, in, leaves with you as your mercy. Y'all, y'all, hear me. And, and what I'm saying to you today, you need to find the thing that reminds you of God's mercy. I know you got on your suit. I know you got on your good clothes and everything. But is there anybody here that can really praise God for their mercy? I know you anointed. But can you bless him for the mercy? I know you're happy that you put, you got on your good shoes and you got your good hair. But can you remember what you used to be before you met mercy? Can you bless God for that right there? trying to find a way when I was studying for this for this last uh, for this today I was trying to find a way to get my hoop on because I can I feel like I felt like pulling God says no I need you to talk clearly the thing that has broken my heart in this last year is people have walked away from their mercy Everything, everything that I have died for them for, they walked away from. And you can't curse them. 
Absolutely not. You got to bless him on the way. But God kept saying to me, even before I got up, well, honey, when you introduced me, God says, remember your mercy. Remember your mercy. Remember your mercy. Every time they stand up, it's mercy keeping them. Every time you see your brother and sister, you better understand this. Don't treat them any old kind of way. You know why? Because it's mercy that got them here. Come here. I'm done right here. Grab your neighbor by your hand quickly because you're going to pray for them. Normally I pray for y'all, but today you're going to pray for your neighbor. Now here's, here's, here's the thing. Satan, where are you going? Roaming in the earth to and fro. Have thou considered my servant Job? Here's what he said. He says, no, I ain't considered him. You know why? Because you got mercy all around you. That's what that word hedge means. You got protection all around him. You got mercy all around him. But if you move mercy, I'll touch him. And he'll curse you and die. That's how much mercy is around you. That's how much that hedge means. That he says, if you move that hedge, I'll put Job in a position that he'll curse you and be willing to die. I want you to pray for the person that you are holding. And I don't, want, I don't want it to be a cute prayer. I don't want it to be a cute prayer. Because I want you to pray for them and then we're all going to stretch out our hands and pray for Bishop and Lady B. That God continues the mercy on their life. Y'all hearing me? But I want you to begin right now to pray for that person who's saying you're older. God, keep mercy on them. Keep them covered. Keep them hedged in. Let them hear you praying too. Let them hear you praying. Keep them covered. Keep their mind. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Let mercy rebuke the devil. Father, keep them in the ministry. Keep ministry upon them. Keep ministry wrapped all around them. Keep their mind sane. Keep peace. Rebuke confusion in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Keep mercy around their children. Come on, let them hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they sleep, keep mercy with them. When they go to work, keep mercy with them. Rebuke every assassin. Rebuke, rebuke every angry man and every violent person that will walk upon their job to murder and destroy and kill. We speak mercy. Let goodness and mercy follow them. We speak mercy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now, saints, I need you to stretch your hands in this direction. We're going to pray for the pastor. Come on. Everybody, stretch your hands. I tell Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you even now. We thank you for this opportunity to preach and teach your word. But today we stand, God, giving you praise for our leaders and our pastors, Harvey and Veronica B., God. We thank you for them being angels in the church. We thank you for them being stars in Zion. And even now, God, we come. Thank you for the blessing and the favor that's already on their life. But we, your people, and we, their people, God, come stretching out our hands to them, asking that you would increase goodness and mercy. God, we come collectively together as a family, God, and say, hedge them around in the name of Jesus. All of the years they've poured out, all of the substance that they've given, all of the anointing that they've imparted. Father, keep them in the name of Jesus. Keep their minds, keep their families in the name of Jesus. Keep their bodies from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. Lord, touch his heart, God. We rebuke heart attacks. We rebuke blockages in the name of Jesus. Strengthen his heart. God, we pray, God, even for her heart in the name of Jesus. Satan, the Lord, God, rebuke him. Health and healing belongs to them. Heal them, God. Be Jehovah Rapha in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers their house. The blood of Jesus covers their hands. The blood of Jesus covers their mouths. The blood of Jesus covers their feet. Oh, God, we thank you that wherever they go, it shall be blessed in the city, in the field. When they come, when they go, bless them, God. Keep them hands. We cry for new mercies upon them now. In the name of Jesus, compassions that fail not. Be faithful to your man and woman of God. In the name of Jesus, and whatever they ask for, let it be granted to them. Whatever they desire, we say it is so. In the name of Jesus, keep them strong. Lengthen their years. Strengthen their days. Give them feet like hinds feet. In the name of Jesus, come on Zion and pray. In the name of Jesus, keep them now. Keep every system. Keep their nervous system. Keep their endocrine system. Keep their digestive system. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke cancer. We rebuke it now. No form of cancer. We rebuke diabetes. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke arthritis. In the name of Jesus, touch Lord. Keep the anointing strong. In the name of Jesus, God, get your glory. Out of their life, even as they expand, even as they increase, enlarge their territory in the name of Jesus. Enlarge.
hearts, whatever they desire, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, and we bless you that they shall be what you're calling to be, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender and not the power. Let the anointing, let the anointing, let the anointing increase. Let it maximize in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise. We clap our hands. We shout unto you. Right now, God, I said we shout for victory. We shout for what you're about to do in the name of Jesus. And it is so. I need you to clap your hands. I need you to get excited. Come on, bless God. Come on, bless God. Come on, bless God. Why don't you find three people and say, mercy looks good on you. Tell them, mercy. Mercy looks good on you. Get up from where you are. Don't be stingy. Open your mouth and say, mercy looks good on you. I thank God for keeping you. I thank God for strengthening you. I thank God for waking you up. I thank God for your ministry. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, thank God for your ministry. Thank God for your anointing. I thank God for the mercy of God. Clap your hands. Give God a praise. say something to you as I take my seats today that whatever the enemy was trying to do with our pastors we just stopped it I felt that transfer y'all don't hear me y'all don't act like y'all excited whatever the devil was trying to do to the pastors we thank you that we stopped it today Somebody say we stopped it. 